everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the Fantasy Consiglary Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. This is a big week for many, with fantasy playoffs potentially on the line. So let's get right into the action with the Steelers at Vikings on Thursday night. Before starting, though, just want to note that this episode has to be brief. There are issues right now with AWS, which is a service that hosts our podcast. So to be sure I could actually get the podcast done, I'll go quickly through the Week 14 slate with quick bites for every matchup. For the Vikings on Thursday Night Football, Adam Thielen isn't expected to play, so KJ Osborne gets a big boost into the high-end wide receiver three ranks, and Justin Jefferson is a top three play for this week. I don't expect the Steelers to have Joe Hayden once again, and while the Ravens couldn't take advantage last week, the Pittsburgh cornerbacks remain susceptible, so expect a big night from Jefferson, and hopefully Osborne can hit as a big play too. Also, no Thielen provides a boost to Tyler Conklin at tight end, so he's a top 10 option this week. For the Steelers, you're obviously playing Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. But something tells me James Washington could connect on a deep ball if he can avoid Patrick Peterson on the outside. And finally, Big Ben could be a quality QB2 option with the Steelers right back into the AFC North race. Now for Sunday's games, Cowboys at Washington. Amari Cooper, we can expect to have close to a full roll, if not a full roll. So he's the top 20 option at wide receiver. But don't forget about Michael Gallup, who remains a low-end wide receiver two flex option. And I feel like I've been highlighting him and Tony Pollard every week. Pollard, again, is an upside RB2. But Ezekiel Elliott is expected to remain the lead back for Dallas. On Washington's offense, Terry McLaurin should bounce back. The Cowboys have obvious impact players on defense, including Trevon Diggs. But they've shown definite holes in coverage. So McLaurin is a low-end wide receiver one with upside. And at tight end with Logan Thomas potentially out for the season. Ricky Seals-Jones, if he plays, will be back in consideration as a streaming option at tight end. For another divisional matchup, Jaguars at Titans. It's difficult to trust anyone for Jacksonville's offense right now. James Robinson had two fantasy points last week, and it was odd that even in a blowout, they were playing him late at less than 100%. But I guess that's at least good news in terms of his workload moving forward. Although Marvin Jones is ranked as a wide receiver three, it's difficult to trust anyone as a reliable starting option outside of Robinson, and even his status is looking shaky now. For the Titans, Julio Jones was designated to return from injured reserve, so he could be back as a number one wideout with A.J. Brownsdale and IR. If so, he'd be an upside wide receiver too, and Dontrell Hilliard looks like the back to own, so he's a low-end RB2 flex option. Moving on, Seattle at Houston. Big win for the Seahawks last week, and I'd expect their backfield to continue being led by Adrian Peterson and Rashad Penny the rest of the way, as long as they remain healthy. Peterson is the better touchdown bet, but Penny definitely has some upside versus Houston, so both are decent flex options. A wide receiver, DK Metcalf, was close to a score last week. He finished with five receptions for 60 yards, and I'd be hopeful that he could finally break out on Sunday. So I have him ranked as a borderline top 10 play. On Houston's offense, Davis Mills will be back under center, and as usual, I'd avoid anyone except for maybe Brandon Cooks, and if you need a guy that will get touches, Rex Burkhead has emerged as the lead back. And that should remain the case even if David Johnson is active on Sunday. That said, he only had five fantasy points in half PPR leagues. So you might be able to do better if you don't need a bye week fill-in. Next up, Raiders at Chiefs. It's tough to feel confident about Las Vegas without John Gruden. They've been very inconsistent. And I'm really not sure why Brian Edwards hasn't become a bigger part of the offense. I remember in the offseason, he was compared to, I think, Terrell Owens and Randy Moss and Devontae Adams. But he's only cracked five targets once all season. And although his biggest game came against the Chiefs, he's on the fringes of the top 50 at wide receiver this week. I do expect Josh Jacobs to have a big game. Kansas City was run on by Javante Williams on Sunday night, 
So the Raiders need to feed their lead back, especially with Kenyon Drake out, in order to pull off the upset this week. For the Chiefs, no one has emerged as a wide receiver too. So you're best off sticking to Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde edwards Zeller, and maybe Daryl Williams in the flex, along with obviously Patrick Mahomes, who should be a high-end QB1 against the defense. He shredded for five touchdowns in their last matchup. Taysom Hill should also be a QB1, and arguably a borderline top-five option for Saints at Jets. Hill tossed four interceptions last week, but he still finished with over 20 fantasy points, and New York did not do a good job at all in coverage against the Eagles. So hopefully Hill, with 10 days to rest, will have that middle finger healthier. I saw many complaining about Hill's play as a passer last Thursday night, but he was dealing with a legitimate finger injury, so I don't think it's really fair to be overly critical. You know what he'll do as a runner, so I definitely feel confident in him as a QB1 play. On New York's offense, they lost Corey Davis for the season, so the door is open for Elijah Moore to be an upside wide receiver too the rest of the way, and I think he'll establish himself as the Jets' clear number one wide receiver for 2022 and beyond. Also, we'll see if Denzel Mims gets extended run down the stretch, and I still like his talent as a by-low, even if next year he's not playing in New York. Next game, Falcons at Panthers. I expect Carolina to be much better defensively coming out of the bye, so I don't have a ton of faith in anyone other than Cordero Patterson on the Atlanta offense. That said, Mike Davis looked really good last week, so he has stronger footing as a flex option against his former team. For the Panthers, Cam Newton is a QB1 because of the rushing upside, but it's interesting that P.J. Walker could see action as well. It's also interesting that the team fired offensive coordinator Joe Brady. He was thought of very highly, and reason that Sam Darnold was an optimistic breakout candidate in Carolina. But using Newton's legs is probably the best way for the Panthers to earn the final wild card spot. So fantasy owners can hope that's the case this week. At running back, Chuba Hubbard probably doesn't have as optimistic as an outlook as he did earlier in the season for Christian McCaffrey, as Amir Abdullah earned a chunk of work even when McCaffrey was healthy, so they could have more of a split down the stretch. Closing out the 1 p.m. slate, Ravens at Browns. I'm hopeful that the bye week will have Cleveland more prepared to run the ball against Baltimore. As we've seen with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, you need to stick with superstar runners, so the Browns, even if they don't have early success, need to stay committed to Nick Chubb, and he remains a must-start despite the subpar outing in Week 12. The injuries to Baltimore secondary should lead to more favorable looks. Jarvis Landry seems to do well against them, but I'd be looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones as an upside play at wide receiver, especially if you're in deeper leagues or in need of a bi-week fill-in. For Baltimore's offense, until we see Lamar Jackson look like himself again, he probably needs to be downgraded from a high-end QB1 to a mid-range QB1. However, you probably have to start him. And I'm expecting this matchup compared to Week 12 to be a little more high-scoring. Starting late afternoon games, Giants or Chargers. It sounds like Jake Fromm is in line to start for New York. And although I'm very high on him, I wouldn't trust him as a fantasy option against one of the league's top pass defenses. Though I do think Fromm will be a good thing for the skill position players. Perhaps not compared to Daniel Jones, but compared to Mike Lennon. Fromm, I think, will get the ball to his playmakers, including Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony of Healthy. And I like Evan Ingram as an upside play at tight end. That seems to be where the Chargers are most vulnerable in terms of pass defense. And hopefully Fromm delivering the ball accurately could lead to run-after-catch opportunities for them. For the Chargers, they got Mike Williams going early last week. Unfortunately, Cincinnati couldn't keep up in a shootout, so the offense didn't really need to open up for Los Angeles. But Williams, whether or not Keenan Allen plays currently on the COVID-19 list, should remain a high upside wide receiver too. And James Bradbury hasn't really been a shutdown option compared to last season, so I wouldn't be worried about the matchup. Moving on, Lions at Broncos. It was good to see Detroit get a win, but now they head into a difficult environment 
but what I'm expecting to be a bit of a slugfest. DeAndre Swift, I think, will be out again, leaving Jamal Williams on the RB2 map, and we'll see it finally getting a win. Leads to the offense opening up some. For the Broncos, they would be wise to not open it up at all. All the wideouts have been very quiet in recent weeks, and I think Vic Fangio will want to keep it that way. So even if Melvin Gordon is back, Williams has established himself as a high-end RB2, and if Gordon misses another game, Mike Boone would be on the flex radar. For 49ers at Bengals, Joe Mixon is dealing with a neck injury from Sunday's loss, but the fact that he returned to the game, I would think means he'll be good to go on Sunday. But Samaje P. Ryan is still worth picking up in the event that Mixon can't play. And the Niners also have a running back injury with Elijah Mitchell in the concussion protocol. I thought it was clear against Seattle that Mitchell was knocked out when he fumbled the ball that was overturned. So I don't know how he's allowed back into the game. But I saw some of the Twitter doctors saying that entering the protocol with symptoms the day after the game can usually mean the player misses a week. So Jeff Wilson is definitely worth picking up if he's available. And also Jermichael Hasty is worth a look in case Wilson, who apparently had a knee flare up on Sunday, is also unable to go. Now for the game of the week, at least in my opinion, Bills at Buccaneers. The game will notably be played in Tampa Bay, so winter weather won't be an issue. And I'm expecting a shootout. You can play all the studs, obviously. And for Tom Brady, the Bills not having Tredavis White could really be felt on Sunday. So I still have TB12 as a top five option at quarterback. And the return of Gronk has really made a difference for the offense. For Buffalo's offense, I wouldn't trust any of the running backs, even with Tampa Bay showing some holes against the run. But I like Emmanuel Sanders as a high upside flex. He was quiet on Monday night along with the entire offense. But I expect he'll see a lot of single man coverage. And Buffalo should get back to being a high volume passing attack. For Sunday Night Football, Bears at Packers. I'm anticipating Justin Fields to return to the lineup after a two game absence. But especially on the road, I'd be looking elsewhere for quarterback option. Green Bay's defense is coming off the bye. And I think they'll be more prepared for Fields as a runner. So David Montgomery as a high end RB2 and Darnell Mooney as low-end wide receiver two are the best bets for Chicago. On the Packers' offense, aside from the big three of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams, you can also continue to play A.J. Dillon for what should be a cold-weather game in primetime, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling has quietly seen 19 targets over the past two games, so he's an undervalued upside flex option. To close out the week, Rams at Cardinals on Monday night. The biggest takeaway for Los Angeles from last week is that Sony Michelle seems to have established himself as lead back. Daryl Henderson was basically an emergency option. He didn't play a snap, but the way Michelle ran, I would think solidifies him in the lead role. It's something I expected to happen earlier in the season, but anyone that's held on to him should be rewarded with high-end RB2 play the rest of the way. Arizona is weakest against the run, so I'd argue that Michelle, even if Henderson is back, remains close to a must-start. For the Cardinals offense, I wouldn't trust Christian Kirk or A.J. Green. Green has caught one pass in two of the past three games, and Kirk was limited to one reception for five yards in the first matchup versus the Rams. So I'd rather rely on other options like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, K.J. Osborne, and other players with upside around the league. Also, I think Cliff Kingsbury seemed to suggest that Chase Edmonds would return on Monday night, so he's back on the flex radar, while James Conner's RB2 outlook might not change much because of his touchdown upside, but maybe a slight downgrade for him. And that will conclude this episode. Best of luck to anyone trying to make the fantasy playoffs. And as always, you can find our full rankings at wolfsports.com. And if you're a subscriber, feel free to ask any questions you might have. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. <laughs>